Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for joining me, my friends. It's good to have you here on this episode. You know, as we begin the new year, I want to bring some encouragement and hopefully a challenge to our ministry community. One thing I think we all could do a little bit better and we all need is a fresh perspective on God's word. You know, I think that as we are kicking off this new year, a lot of people have new habits and they want to start new things. And maybe you've started a Bible reading plan, but maybe you haven't. Maybe your personal studies gotten into cruise control lately and you're just doing it to do it. Um, maybe you've gotten a little stale in it. Well, my friend Keith Farron has a passion uh, to make God's word come alive and breathe for leaders. Um, that's his heartbeat. This is what he loves. And uh, he's impacted my life. And I know many of you listeners have heard him too. Um, and so he's developed a fantastic community. If you're looking to kick your Bible study up a notch this year, I want to encourage you to go check out the Bible Life community. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for it as well. But let me tell you, there's a ton of resources and a ton of things that can really help you not just look at God's word, but to internalize it and to really digest and let it transform you from the inside out, which is what we want. And it will really help you give your Bible study a shot in the arm. So, hey, Keith, welcome back to the KMC, man. It's good to have you back. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Well, we just came fresh off of Children's Pastors Conference, and, yeah. and uh, that was a great week. And, and uh, so I'm glad we could make some time to, to record this. Um, now, you know where I'm going to go on this first one, because I always ask the why question. So I, I'm going to ask you, why do you think leaders get into like a rut or get into cruise control when it comes to their own personal study of, of the Bible? Yeah, I, I think there are I think there are so many reasons. I think that the I'm going to give you my top two. I think. I think All right. One, I I think one is we spend so much time preparing for ministry and preparing lessons, preparing to teach, that that we oftentimes don't even think about the going to the Bible for fun or going to the Bible just for our personal refreshment and relationship yeah. with God. I think yes. that, that so often those, when your life is just intermingled, I mean, just like the times when I, when I talk to, um, you know, people who coach sports at a high level and I ask them when the last time they played was, and it was forever ago. Right. Wow. And then, yeah. Um, and so it's just kind of one of those things. There are things that we love, things that are people that are professional musicians who frequently don't just sit down and play unless they're writing music, you know, whatever. And so I just think that sometimes just being in the profession adds a layer of challenge to it to remember that God also just wants to hang out with us. So I would say that's one. I think the, the second is is something that that you've heard me talk about and I and I talk about in my in my books and when I speak is that 
there's somebody who's trying to actively make sure that we don't like it, that we mm. don't become consistent, yes. that we don't, that there's an attack going on. And I kind of use the, the analogy of, you know, as our, as our minds wander and as we are inconsistent and all that, we are frequently just constantly blaming, well, maybe I, maybe I don't love God as much as I thought, or, you know, maybe I'll just let the Bible be left to the professional, whatever, you know, I mean, it's kind of, we, we, there's, there's this shame and blame that comes on ourselves. Yeah. And it's the the analogy I frequently use is, could you imagine somebody playing football and getting tackled and saying, I'll never make it to the end zone, whatever. It's like, well, there (laughs) is somebody playing defense. You kind of have to recognize (laughs) that. And I think when it comes to reading the Bible, you know, even if we love Jesus, we love his word, we're in full-time ministry, we love talking to kids about, uh, about Jesus and his word, that, that we oftentimes don't acknowledge the fact that there is somebody who's trying to attack our own relationship with Jesus and recognizing that there's a defense and having kind of a strategy for beating him um, is, is crucial. So. Yes. Yeah. And like we said, you mentioned that we, you were at children's pastors conference and you got, you got to speak up on the main stage. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about your message and, and why you shared um, that particular message. Cause I, I think, I think that has to do with where we're, we're going today too. I think it's a, it was a great challenge for all of us listening. Well, as you know, Michaela is one of the best in the business of, of putting together a very intentional theme that mm-hmm. serves the community well. And, yes. and so she approached me a year ago with this theme of undivided and saying that each of the seven speakers were going to speak on one element of undivided, undivided under his kingship, undivided with renewness of mind, undivided under love and the bond of peace and forgiveness and all that. And, um, and so when she said, you know, undivided under measured words or with measured words. And just, I just feel like we've seen in the last two years that, that we, we, whether we're in the Christian community or out have used our words much more as poison than as healing balm. Yes. And, uh, and so the, the focus of my message was really this. I, I I talked about looking at our words, not just, okay, here's what not to say. Don't do this. Don't do this. I think we need to recognize that that it's important to keep our words in check, but I think that when we, when we are intentional about our words, our words can bring unity. Our words can bring healing. There is power in the words when we are proactive rather than reactive. And so I, I just shared about three lenses to kind of look through. One is the identity lens. If we, because everything, the whole undivided theme was based on Ephesians. So we were looking at Ephesians and all throughout Ephesians, there are just tons, more than 50 different identity messages in there of we are forgiven, we are known, we are chosen, we are wanted, we are redeemed, we are restored, we are washed in the blood, we are unified, we are, you know, all these these identity messages. And I was like, you know, if we really recognized how much grace had been lavished on us, how much 
forgiveness and redemption actually cost Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we recognize how deeply we are loved and known and wanted and cherished. And, and we really believe that our words would be different because, because forgiven people speak words of forgiveness. People who have experienced mercy are more likely to speak merciful words than judging words. And I think oftentimes the words that we spew venom at people are coming from a place of, of head knowledge or judgment as opposed to from a place of identity. So if we are, the, the more solid we are in our own identity, the more life-giving our words will be. Amen. And so there was that identity lens. And then the, then the second was the body lens that, that so often, and I'm sure you've seen this, that somebody will, will say something in a Facebook post, Hey, brothers and sisters, I just need to speak the truth in love. And then, you know, we've seen that speak the truth in love from Ephesians four, uh-huh. you know, just spewed out. And it almost always is followed by somebody convinced, trying to convince us why their words are true, not right. how they've examined their hearts to see if what they're saying is loving. Right. And so, but it's interesting because the context, if you look at what is right before that in chapter four and what follows that in the remainder of chapter four, there's nothing about proclaiming doctrine. It's yes. all entirely about we're speaking the truth and love to build up the body, right. to benefit others, That's to right. help others become who God's created them to be. And just that idea of, of am I sharing this to build people up? or to, to shout louder, you know, cause, yeah. cause we've just become a, you know, we, so I, 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 I use the phrase that social media has created an opportunity for every human being to become a street preacher <laughs> and just yell at people yes. and feel like, feel like there aren't any consequences, but I think that there are. And not only is there the consequence of the damage of our own words, but I think there's also the consequence of when we're not measuring our words, when we're not intentional about speaking from a place of identity, a place that builds up the body, then I think we all there's also the cost of not being able to be heard, not being able to build somebody up, not being able to, um, to build relationship. And, and so there was the, the body lens. And then and then what I call the responsibility lens, it's something that I say to myself all the time. And that is that we are 100% responsible for what we say, 100% responsible for how we say it, 100% responsible for why we say it, 100% responsible for when we say it, and 100% responsible for the who we say it to. And we are 0% responsible for how somebody responds. And that the biggest two mistakes we make is we don't take responsibility for what we're hundred percent responsible for. We say whatever we want because it's true, you know, because, but we don't even think about who's hearing it. Is this really what they need at this moment? Is this all that? And, or the flip side of that, we complete, we, we don't say anything or we cower behind our words or we're not as bold as we really should be because we're completely owning everybody else's response. Right. Yes. And so it's just That's interesting good. that for myself included, that I, I say that to myself because my temptation is to not take responsibility for what I need to be responsible for and to take responsibility for what I'm not responsible for. <laughs> and, and so, so I just think that if we, if we look through the identity lens, the body lens and the responsibility lens, mm. then the words that we say, even when they're hard, I'm not saying we should avoid hard things. 
right? But the, the times that we say it, the people we say it to, when we say it, how we say it, all of that changes when, um, when we look through those lenses. So. Yes. That's such a great challenge for us. Um, the body of Christ needs to, to hear that. And I think that's part of why, you know, I'm continuing to beat the drum of, of we need to raise up a generation that, that learns to fall in love with God's word, not for a feather in our cap that, Oh, Hey, I got kids to memorize the Bible. Look at me. Um, or, or all of that, but we're, we're really teaching God's word for, for decide. I mean, even to say discipleship sounds so cliche, but I want kids. I want to, I don't, well, it was like, um, uh, Oh, now I'm going to forget her name. Alex. Um, pastor Alex said, you know, we, we, we teach at kids, we tell them things rather than helping them discover things. And, and I want kids to develop that passion for God's word, um, that they learn it for themselves, that they want it for themselves. And, and, uh, I want to know what, what do you think, how can leaders help kids develop that passion for reading God's word? How do we incorporate it? Not just as well, this is what we do when we come to church. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how do we work on that? Because I think that's something that leaders struggle with is that we, we tell kids what's in the Bible rather than letting them see it for themselves and discover it for themselves or crave it for themselves. So what do we, what do we need to do? What do you think needs to change? Because uh, I think it's for us as leaders. And I think that's part of what you were just saying. The more we get into God's word, the more those lenses become clear for us to look through because the spirit's now controlling those things in our life. Mm-hmm. So how do we help kids develop that passion to get into God's word too? Well, I, again, I think we could do a three hour podcast <laughs> on that whole thing sometime, but I, you know? I, I, I think the, I'll give, I'll give you three. I think one is to develop, to equip the, the staff, the volunteers, and the parents to enjoy God's word on their own, mm-hmm. apart from the kids. Because when go. kids are surrounded by adults who genuinely enjoy the Bible, who genuinely like the Bible, who read it regularly, who then those adults just simply talk about the Bible differently. Like I, yes. say, I, don't, I don't have to be forced to talk to my kids about football or about right. music or about gadgets or about cooking Italian food or whatever. I, cause I love the, I love all those things. Right. And so because I love them, we'll talk about them. And I also know what my kids love and don't love. So I'll talk about some of those things more with my, with my son or my older daughter than I will with my younger daughter or some with a, you know, so it's different, you know, that we just, we just know the things that the things that we love, we talk about differently than the things right. like we're supposed to talk about. Right. And, um, and so I think that is one of them. I think the other is in, in our own unpacking of the word with kids, I, I say we, and again, you've heard me say this before that we need to make, we need to make our Bible teaching more about identity than about morality that that to remind kids of 
who God is, what he's done, and who we are and what we have because of who he is and what he has done, that that, that is, it's a messier conversation. You know, I, yes. I, I tell people it's, it's a way, way easier to have a morality conversation. It's way easier for me to tell my kids, um, hey, don't lie because the Bible says lying's wrong. Right. Then it is to have a conversation about it, what it means to be a person of integrity, to yes. be a person whose word can be trusted, to be a person who is a faithful friend, to, and how our words and our honesty and integrity fall into all of that. It's a longer, it's a messier conversation. But with this next generation, it's the only conversation that's going to work because mm. so much, whether it be our Christian identity or whether it be sexual identity or whatever, identity is such a huge thing in our culture that yep. they're already thinking in terms of that and just doing things because our parents said it's right and not doing things because our parents said it's wrong that that's just doesn't fly with with yeah. this generation and so yeah the whole because i said so <laughs> oh just does, i mean and, and they'll you know they'll go along with it while they're talking to you to get you off their back but when they're in a situation where that is being challenged if if the difficult decision doesn't line up with who they see themselves to be in light of who God is, then they won't make the hard decision. But if they do, this generation, I think, will go. I mean, just, I mean, think about what difficult, tough decisions kids have made because their identity is lined up with something incorrect. Right. Right. And I, they, they will make the hard decision as long as it lines up with who they see themselves to be. And so the more that we can make those conversations about, you know, be willing to enter into those gray areas, be willing to enter into those hard conversations yeah. that take more time and effort and equipping parents to do the same. And so, and then the third, I would say is, is really the, the, the part of the equipping parents, equipping, equipping parents to have, to, to make conversations about the Bible normal. Yes. And what I mean by that is I think that, you know, oftentimes we send home the, the sheets and here's what we talked about, or here's what we're going to be talking about next week, depending on what model you have. And, and we, we give them questions to ask and that kind of thing that's about this theme. And that's great. And some parents do it and a lot of parents don't. Right. But I think that if, if we could give them kind of tips, tools, conversation starters that don't just have to do with what we're teaching but are just, what are some questions you can ask about the, about the Bible? I mean, a lot of times when I read the Bible with my kids, I'll just say, Hey, what do you notice? Like the last few mornings, I've just been reading a proverb, right. To go along with the date. So this morning, yeah. this morning, while my daughter was eating her cereal, I, uh, I read Proverbs 19 because we're recording this on the 19th of yep. January. And I, and I read Proverbs 19 and I just said, Hey, notice which one of these Proverbs stands out to you. Well, there were like 25 to choose from. <laughs> and she was, you know, talked about one about loyalty of a friend and stuff. And it was like, I, so we, I, we didn't go through and say, okay, here's the application point for this. And here's the application. I think that Having an intentional Bible study as a family, great. Having family devotions, awesome. Having Sunday school time, wonderful. All those are necessary. And I think we do need to have special dedicated time to yeah. unpacking God's word. But I also think that because this generation is so connected to the people, the things, the ideas, the concepts that matter to them, we also need to have conversations 
where it's normal to talk about the Bible or to have the Bible just come up in conversation while we're in the car or yes. while we're, uh, you know, at the right. store or yeah. while we're sitting around the table or, you know, after we just watched a movie to, you know, I just think that, that if the Bible just remains special, remains other, um, then we're for this generation, that's a, that's a hard connection to make. Oh yeah. Well, I like that a lot. And I think that's something that I'm hoping leaders will, will put a little more focus on this, this year is really helping equip parents to see that it, it, it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be so formalized. Mm. Like I said, just doing, yeah, bringing up a proverb like that, what stands out? I love, I mean, that's something any parent can do while you're getting kids ready for school, or like I say, you're heading to soccer practice, um, and you have that conversation in the vehicle. Um, that's powerful and that's transformative for kids and, and it's helping them see the world and, and, you know, and see themselves and, and see the Bible all coming together. Um, that, yeah, I like that. I, I like how you use the word normalize. Um, that it becomes normal for the for families. And I think that's that's something we as leaders have to do a better job of um, is equipping parents, showing them, giving them those simple ideas and saying, this is a great thing to do. Um, this is something that's doable for you. I think that would really help uh, a lot. Um, it would I, empower. I think, of, yeah, I think a lot of parents want to do right by their kids. Yes. And just don't feel equipped. I think yes. I think it's important for us as ministry leaders to remember that this is the first, we're just entering the second generation of parents who are being asked to disciple their own kids but weren't discipled themselves. Exactly. And right so on. so when you you know it's it's kind of like if I'm you know every once in a while you'll see uh, a a parent who's who never grew up playing soccer, but their nine-year-old signed up for soccer and they don't have a coach. And so they coach <laughs> and there's this learning curve. I remember yep. a dad with kids younger than mine who knew that I had coached and played for decades. And, and he said, Hey, can I come over to your house and just sit on your back deck and pick your brain? Cause I've been asked to coach my daughter's eight-year-old soccer team. I have no <laughs> idea what to do. I was like, well, he grew up playing a different sport. Yep. And so he didn't know. And I think that sometimes those of us that have been around the church for a long time forget that that it's what what's basic for us is completely overwhelming to a Ooh, parent who's not so grown true. up in the church or not. And so yeah. so it's you know, yeah. So even the ones that want to um need to be equipped. And it's yeah. it's hard because we also have all the other things we're doing. I mean, I'm right. Right. And it's finding those simple a hard ways. season. Yes, it is. It is. And and I was one of those dads. Um, I never played soccer and that was a great illustration. Cause I'm like, yep, my, my kids wanted to play and they didn't have enough coaches. And so being the sports nut that I am, I'm like, I can figure this out, but I had no clue what I was doing. I had to call my younger brother who played huh? high school soccer and played a little college a ball to, to give me some tips. And, and then I found some videos and, and so I started, you know, YouTubing back then, even watching, you know, instructional videos. I went to the library, got a, got it. Uh, I think it was Pele's book of soccer. So I don't know what the title was Funny. and I learned, but I, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that's something that 
we have to give parents some some inspiration and some encouragement and some cheerleading to to say, hey, you can do this, um, and and it is doable, and and help them and empower them because I think that's you know, and again, it starts with us though. It comes back to us that if if it's not a passion in us, then it's going to be hard for us to inspire other people with that same passion if it's not for us too. Um, so what, what, what's something that, that, uh, as, as you've been studying the word for yourself, what's something that has impacted you recently in the word? Um, I think sometimes people like to hear stuff of how, how, what, what's jumped at you recently or what's something new you've discovered? Yeah. Well, uh, something that I wasn't really expecting, which, uh, you know, in, in the Bible life community, we're actually walking in January and February through the book of Ephesians, but I always start the first, um, the first four to six months of the year, just reading through the whole Bible. I call it a rapid Bible read through. And, and I've been doing that since 2010. And it's something that, that, you know, sometimes I read my normal translation. Sometimes I read a different translation a couple years, including this year, I'm listening to it as I'm walking the dog. And so that's kind of my, you know, cause I'm doing my deeper study in Ephesians. And so I'm just listening to it. And so I just got done with the ever so fun and glorious book of Leviticus. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> I, I had somebody that I know that's also doing it that finished Leviticus like two days ago. And she posted in our group, she said, I think that there should be a universal reward any for anybody who's finished reading Leviticus. And, uh, you know, because Leviticus has all these laws and rules and regulations. Yeah. And I think that as I was, as I was listening to it, because a lot of times when I'm walking a dog, I can listen to six, eight, 10 chapters, right. On a walk. And, right. and when I'm listening to all of this, I was, I was surprised this time I knew it, but I was surprised at the number of times that a law was written to specifically take care of an outsider or a slave or a woman, or that, that there were that so often we look at that culture and there are so many things that we just are like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe how they treated this person or that person or whatever, but just things about, uh, about making sure that you don't reap all of all of your own crops and the, you're leaving some things and just even some things like how, you know, for so many years, people use the Bible to justify slavery, but what never came up in those conversations was that in Leviticus, it says that if you strike your slave and break a bone, you have to set him free. Well, that doesn't line up what, you know, that, you know, and so I, you look at, you look at this and you're like, there was even within the cultural norms that are very different from our cultural norms now, um, that there were, that there were provisions in there from God to say, but this isn't, this is never designed to be abusive. This is never okay to, and so just the care that was taken for, for slaves and women's and women and, and foreigners and aliens in the land and, and whatever. And, and that there was, I was struck this time by how much more inclusion there was and care taken um, than maybe I had seen before. And wow. so, so that was just kind of cool. That is very cool. And yeah, I think a lot of people would would rather go get a root canal than try to labor through some of those right. books. But but yet, like I say, you find these gold nuggets, yeah. you know, and obviously that's why God put them there. Is for a, there is benefit. There wouldn't be in the world, you know, we wouldn't have it 
if there wasn't something beneficial for us, um, for sure. So um, I'm curious, I, I got to know, wh- what's your favorite passage of scripture or maybe, I mean, if you want to say book two, that's fine. Right. I'm just curious. I kind of already know the answer because I heard you say it on stage. Um, well, the, <laughs> what you think I'm going to say, yes, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, those are my life verses. Um, but my favorite verse is one that people don't talk about a lot. So Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, you know, that therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, that, that those to, to, to know that we are, we are loving because we are dearly loved children. And so is everyone we meet. That's actually something of the affirmations I say to myself every morning. One of the ones I say is today I will love because I'm a dearly loved child. And so is everyone I meet. Mm, that that is born right out of that. So that's my life verse, kind of what I base my life on. But probably my favorite verse was something that stopped me in my tracks years and years ago. Psalm 56, nine. I bet you don't know it. <laughs> Not off my does. head. Yes. <laughs> but Psalm 56, nine. Psalm 56 is David in the, in the battle. People uh-huh. are fighting. People are, are warring against me. People are attacking me from every side, all this kind of stuff. And right in the middle, he just stops and says what I believe are seven words that change everything. This I know, God is for me. And, and I just think that if we actually lived our lives believing that in our ministry, in our marriage, in our life, this I know, God is for me, that he didn't say that in one of the Psalms just of praise and adoration and thank you for blessing me, whatever. He said it in a Psalm where he's talking about being attacked and walking through, as you would say, the valley. Right. And, um, and so to, to remember even in the valley that this, I know God is for me. Wow. Changes everything. Seven, seven, I I refer to Psalm 56, nine as seven words that change everything. That is powerful. Wow. I'm going to have to put that one in the front of my Bible. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, that works perfectly with restoring leaders for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a thing we, we, that's a, that's a truth that we need capital T truth. We need to hang on to when we're in those Valley seasons and, and every day, every day. So, well, Hey, as we get ready to wrap up, um, tell us a little bit more about the Bible life community and how people can, if, cause if they're feeling stuck, if they're maybe now they're feeling some motivation to say, man, I really do need to fall back in love with God's word. I need to start reading relationally. And from a new perspective, um, you've got some fantastic resources and you've got a community that encourages each other, uh, to see the beauty and, and the life in God's word. So tell us a little bit about Bible life community and, and some of your other resources. Yeah. I mean, that. I, I've got a lot of the kind of typical resources that people have. I've written written a bunch of books. You can go to Amazon, type in my name, you'll find those. Um, books on how to study the Bible, books for parents and families, and, and books on rapid Bible read through, all that. So I've got I've got books. If people are readers, I've got videos that you know people are kind of online video course things. I've got one called Relational Bible Study. That's my whole process for how I study the Bible. I've got a new one called. The Simplest Way to Internalize, which is my whole internalization process for how I've internalized a dozen books of the Bible. And, and I've got that. But the Bible life community, it, I mean, 
think of it as this, this membership community that is designed to, to guide people through Bible study as well as equip and train them. So when people are members of the Bible Life community, they get access to a lot of things. So some people join it because of the community itself to be able to, I write a new Bible study every month and facilitate it in a private Facebook group where we discuss it. I post something every Monday through Friday, some guidance of what to do. I teach live every Monday. I interview somebody every Tuesday for Tuesday Bible talk. I, and then there are Bible life groups. There are currently three at different times, a couple in the evening, one during the day. Um, that I facilitate one. I've got some other members, longtime members that have that facilitate the other two. And, and we just have these discussions. We share resources and encourage each other. I mean, just this community of, of studying the Bible together. So we're in Ephesians right now for the months of January and February. And then, um, but, but when people are members of the Bible Life community, they also get access to all of my resources. So both of those courses that are normally $97 a piece, members get access to all that. All of my books, the digital and audio versions of my books, you get access to the library of books. And so when I write a new book, I add it to that and members get it and they don't have to buy anything. And so um, the, the, you know, it's normally $17, but I, I, I know that also memberships and communities, people just don't know whether it's for them, whether, whether what's in there is really going to help them. So basically I made it a way for people to try the first four weeks for four bucks. And so, <laughs> so you can really try it for a full month for yeah. the cut for the price of a latte. And, yeah. um, and, and so if people go to keithfarron.com slash try Bible life, they can try Bible life. <laughs> they can, so they, that'll redirect you to the page. Um, so if you go directly to Bible life, if you go to BibleLifeCommunity.com, that's going to take you to a place where it's more, but right now I've got, um, the ability for people to try it for, for four bucks and you get access to everything. So I don't Great. limit that. That's not a limited thing. So, well, um, you've so. taken all the excuses away. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, one latte a week and you've got it. Um, I mean, come on. And the first month is one latte for the whole month. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, one <laughs> and month. after and after that, yeah, it's a latte latte a week and you're you're good to you're good to go. Yeah, oh. it's it's fantastic. And I I've seen all these resources, gang. Um, I can tell you they're solid. They're helpful. Like I said, they've they've helped me. I need to dig back in. I, I want to start. I haven't started the internalized one yet. That's one I'm, I'm going to work on. Yeah, I've had people um, join the Bible Life community just to get the courses because yeah. you would have to be a member for I think a year and a half before you would cover the cost of yeah of just buying the two courses and you still get access to all the other stuff. So it's fantastic. Um, it's fun. It's super so. fun. Yeah. So my friends, take a, take a look at this. Like I say, we'll put the, the links in the show notes uh, as well, so that if you want to connect up with Keith, you can, can do that and, and uh, join the community. And, and uh, I just hope and pray that this year will be a year that you really truly fall in love with God's word and it transforms you and the ministry that you do. Um, and uh, that you will ignite uh, a generation that just falls in love with God's word and, and, uh, lets it, lets it live through them. So, um, Keith, thanks. Thanks for making time again, brother, to, to join me on the episode. We appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right, friends. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the kids ministry collective podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope that you'll join us on another episode real soon.
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.